Welcome back to Art Talk. I'm Dan. I'm going to get a quick sponsor message out of the way and then we'll get right to it. Welcome back to Art Talk. This is Dan Twyman. I'm your host. And I'm here with Aaron, my co-host. Say hi, Aaron. Hi. Okay. <laughs> that was a very cheerful hi. <laughs> and um, if you listen to my most recent podcast, I was talking about uh, the need to support artists because of the past uh, year, things that have been going on. And uh, if you get a chance, listen to um, earlier podcasts where I talked about uh, you know different types of prints and how they're made and, uh, and that type of thing. Also, uh, you can support this podcast for as little as 99 cents a month, so if you, uh, if you like what you hear, then please give us some support. So today we're going to be talking to Summers Randolph, who is a stone sculptor, and um, yeah, and I was looking at his work earlier, it's really impressive. Awesome. So if, if you're listening, um, uh, Summers, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and introduce the artist right now, he's on the line with us. Summers, you with us? I'm right here, Dan. There you go. Hey, uh, if everybody wants to take a look at your art while we're talking, what's your web address, your website? It's just summersrandolph.com. Okay. Summers is S-O-M-E-R-S. Okay. So if you want to look and at... Rand okay. Randolph is a B-H. Yeah. Just like Randolph Scott. There you go. Correct. Uh, so if you, want to, if you want to look at Summers' work while we're talking, uh, the name is spelled S. O M E R S R A N D O L P H. So it's summersrandolph.com and he's a stone sculptor. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so um, as far as uh, 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 the type of work that you're creating, because I took a look at it, and the first thought I had is that that must take tons of patience to create that type of work. Well, it only requires patience if you don't like doing it. Uh, I happen to be the happiest when I'm making a shape. And so patience is not something that really equates. It does take a long time to carve stone, uh, and it takes a long time to polish it correctly. But if you love what you're doing, then patience is, is something that belongs with, you know, uh, putting up with my teenage daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring, up, bring, bring his website up on your phone. Um, yeah, so I took a look at it. The The surface of the uh, work that you're doing, is, it's, it looks almost, you know, glass smooth. So is that, um, I mean, how much polishing is involved in, in getting that kind of a finish? Well, many, many sculptors, uh, stone sculptors in particular, sand up to about 300 grit, right. which is uh, like the texture of blue jeans or finer than that maybe and then you can coat and seal you can seal stone now with acrylics or with uh, any number of waxes and things and it will appear to be polished but mm. when you touch it you're touching the acrylic or the wax and not the stone and as a counter to that I sand up to 3000 grit uh, which is, it's all hand sanding. They don't make tools to car, to, to, uh, sand compound curves. 
tools in the stone industry are designed for polishing countertops or uh, bathroom floors and not for making curves. Yeah, well, I mean, when you, when you, when I watch, uh, I saw the video of you working and you really do get the sense this is a, this is an artisan at work, you know, because, uh, the, uh, the rough form of the sculpture when it's, when it's just stone that you've started, uh, you know, chipping away at or whatever, when you look at that and then look at the finished product, it's a, it's just an amazing, uh, an amazing evolution, you know? It's a transformation. It certainly is. When you start in with a 12-inch diamond blade and you're doing what we call slice and break, which is where you make slices about an inch apart and then come back with a hammer and chisel and knock the slices off, that leaves a texture, as you can imagine, that's very, very rough. And from there to the finished product is a lot of different abrasives and uh, diamond blades and sandpaper. Hmm. You know, uh, Summers, I'm I'm looking at your artwork right now. It's abs- It's just exquisite. Wow! How thank how, you, Aaron. How divine! Thank you so much. Yeah, that is amazing. And I'm also looking at um, you know I'm looking at your website. I'm I'm seeing how you you make and sand things together. How what precision? It it it's one thing that I do that I don't see often is I pin my pieces so that they turn. Hmm. And sculpture often ends up in a corner or in a nicho. Hmm. And if it's in that place and it won't turn freely, then somebody will only see one degree or, you know, 30 degrees or 45 degrees of 360 degrees. And if you, if you mount a piece in such a way that it turns on a bearing, mm-hmm. then when you push it, you can appreciate the whole thing. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, what what was the original motivation to... Because, I mean, in my case, um, as an artist, my motivation started because I was an asthmatic kid stuck in the house, and I couldn't go outside and play with my friends, so I had to do something, and my dad, my dad was a published artist, so I, I wound up drawing all the time from, like, the age of four on, you know? And, uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, so in your case, what, what got you started with this? I had a great uncle that was a whittler, and he was a superior court judge in Nashville, and in order to be patient behind the bench while he decided people's fate, he would whittle. Oh, oh my wow. God. Wow. <laughs> he, uh, my granddad had died before I was born, and so I got kicked up to the next bunch of cousins down in Tennessee in this house that we all go to and um i would go up and say hi uncle alfred and he would say son let me see your pocket knife (laughs) and i pull out seven seven eight years old i'd pull out whatever boy scout knife i had or whatever you know those fat yeah pocket knives that kids carry (laughs) and he would roll back his starched white judge's sleeve and then scrape his arm and if it didn't shave he would give it back to me and he'd say, go sharpen your pocket knife and then you can talk to Uncle Alfred. Wow. Just out of curiosity. It was a ticket to wisdom. Well, just out of curiosity, what part of the country was that? Tennessee. Wow. Because my dad's from Missouri and I, the knife that you're describing, I have one sitting right here. I just showed it to Aaron. It's got the bone, hand, <laughs> it's got the bone handle on it and it's kind of a fat knife, you know, and... 
Um, I got it for my dad because he's from Missouri, and he had this tradition where, uh, you know, let's say you didn't see him for a year, and you walk up to him and greet him, and he'd hand you a pocket knife and say, give me a penny. And you'd, <laughs> you'd, oh, isn't that interesting? And so, so all my childhood, I have four brothers and four sisters, and all my childhood, all my brothers and I, he would hand us a pocket knife for our birthdays or Christmas, and he'd give me a penny. So you had to give him a penny for his pocket knife, but it was a brand new, it was always a really nice knife, you know. And, um, yeah, he, I have a couple of his, he passed away, but, uh, but I have a couple of his, you know, he had his name engraved on him and he was a knife collector. So he had tons of, uh, he had tons of different types of knives, which was really interesting, but, um, oh, that's fascinating. So, um, there's a, there's a tradition about handing a pocket knife to someone. If you hand it to them with closed blade, then they must return it the same way. Wow. Well, and if you hand it to them with an open blade, they have to return it the same way. Interesting. Wow. It's supposed to be bad luck to fold the knife up and then hand it back. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I like the old etiquette because my dad was really good about, you know, how to hand a knife to somebody and how to hold it and how to, you know, they had all these certain etiquette that you followed, which uh, I like the old ways better. What's that? I just wanted to say something about um, uh, the pieces that I'm looking at of yours, Summers, is um, <clears throat> I like the... F I like the uh, the concept, the the ones you have. It sort of has like an infinity symbol look to it. Yes, yeah, yeah. I love that. And then I... it's like the one that's the white one that it also has it sort of feeding back through the middle. It's really. It's... I I stole that shape. Oh. You know, they say great great art. You you great artist. What is it? Good artists borrow and great artists steal. <laughs> and, oh, God. And that was a line drawing in a philosophy periodical when I was in college. Wow. And I looked at the line drawing and I thought, you know, I think I can carve that. And I have carved it for 40 years. I love wow. that shape. That's almost like your, kind of like your um, signature. <laughs> Well, if if I had a signature shape, that would be it. Right, right. Interesting. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, shifting gears a little bit, um, as far as, uh, uh, because you know it is an art business, and there is the business side of it, um, and the last year obviously has been pretty crazy for everybody. So, uh, how has the past year been for you on the business side of things? Well, it's improving. I, I began the year losing... Uh, both galleries closed. Uh, two shows. I was going to do a botanical garden show with big pieces, and I was going to do uh, Art Vancouver, where they have some wonderfully fun events. They have a, they actually have a runway up there where the artists walk down the runway at the dinner on Thursday night with hmm. their art, and, hmm. and so people can identify who does what. Hmm. And uh, you know, I just think. Fun things like that are so much better than your standard art competition where you have to pay for it. I've, I've, I just believe the reason I'm an artist, part of it, is that it's not competitive. Right. And I don't believe in competitions or in paying people to jury my work. I, I just have never liked that. Yeah. But that being said, to get back to your question, I lost two galleries. I lost those two big shows. And then what I... My bread and butter has been the Taub Tour Company that brings 25 tour buses through wow. Santa Fe and stop at my studio. Huh. And of course, nobody's been getting on tour buses. So my pivot was to go online and create a good web page and put a bunch of two-minute videos on it and 
it has actually been working pretty well. I'm I'm pleased with social media uh, and and the ability the ability to publish my work and let people see it. Well, and also to uh, listeners, we'll we'll be able, we have a, a website associated with our. Uh, with our podcast and uh, uh, it's artworkpodcast.com and anyone who visits that site and listens to this uh, you know this particular episode will then be able to go and check out your website and then go from there with questions because I noticed also you have um, you have smaller pieces you create as well do you ship those or do people just buy them from you in person or how does that work Uh, just now when you called I was uh building a crate for a piece. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. I, I'm shipping one up to Seattle uh, later this week. Okay. And uh, so I'm cutting the plywood. and It's a, it's a larger piece. It's going to be a hundred. Well, it'll push the limits of what UPS will take. I'm going to have to charm the guy that takes the box in. <laughs> I, I, can, wow. I can imagine. I'll bet. See if he'll agree. Yeah. Huh. Um, and, and I do. I ship the, the little ones. They're easy. To, they're easy to mail. Sure. Another thing too. We're at we're at about uh, twelve. We're closing on thirteen minutes. So I want to. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left. But I wanted to ask you um, one thing that always sort of um, stands out to me is the sort of idea that the person viewing the sculpture doesn't appreciate what went into making the sculpture. And, That's for sure. <laughs> and and so I was just wondering if you could tell me. Let's say for example your. Uh, uh, and and Aaron mentioned she said in earlier infinity symbol and um, that term that she's using. I sold uh, Salvador Dali's work for many years, and he uh, used a couple of symbols. One was the Ouroboros, which is uh, um, you know the snake eating its own tail, and then uh-huh. he also used the figure eight, which was the infinity symbol. And as a matter of fact, on some art paper. One way you can tell if a Salvador Dali print is correct or not on certain editions is that some of them have an infinity symbol embossed into the paper and others don't. So that figure eight is not only used by artists, but also publishers and other people for different purposes. So on that piece that Aaron was talking about, the white uh, piece that has the uh, stone going through the opening, what would something like that, as far as start to finish, how long does it take to create something like that? You know, I never have counted hours, and I really can't start. I, I have mm-hmm. probably 30 pieces going at any one time, and my mood walking down the hill in the morning determines if I'm going to be sanding or carving with pneumatic <laughs> tools or wow. slice and break on a new piece. Huh. And See- you wait for the spirit I think to. I would depress myself if I counted hours. That's. I, I, I've. I've. I used to grab a price out of the air when somebody came to the studio and I was a kid out in Santa Barbara, and they would say, "How much is that?" And I'd say, "Well, um, it's eight hundred dollars." And they would say, "Well, what if I buy three? And I'd go, "Ah, oh, I priced it too low." <laughs> or they'd say, "Thank you very much," and then, then I priced it too high. Right. But after forty. 40 years of selling work, I've, I've got a pretty good, uh, pretty good, uh, you know, catalog of prices. I know what my work is worth, and I hope it will be worth a lot more. That is yet to be determined. I've, I plan to curve another 20 years. Well, it's interesting because, uh, uh, and it's not a negative thing, it's actually a, a, what makes, you know, the, the diversity there. But, uh, 
that's your uh, way of looking at it, my way of looking at it, because people will see a drawing of mine, and if you do drawings with micro uh, precision in them, you know, or let's say really small objects that you're drawing where you're using a magnifying glass and all that, you know, my first comment to everybody was, you know, they'd say, oh, I really like that drawing, and I go, that took me 12 hours, you know, <laughs> so, because, because, you know, you're sitting there doing this tedious work. So it's interesting that I always talk to people about how long it takes me to make something and you're the opposite, but both ways obviously are fine. But, um, you know, in the, in, in the end, Dan, I value the shape more than I do the hours that go into it. When a piece breaks, I don't, I don't regret the value of the piece. I regret the hours that I put into it. Yeah. But I don't price it by hours. I price it by how much I like the final object. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, like I guess it's just recently, yeah. in fact, because of COVID, you were you were speaking to the the last year. Uh, without galleries, I do not need to support the double price that is the effect of being in a gallery. So. My work has is a lot less expensive today than it was two years ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's no storefront. The overhead, I've worked in uh, galleries in Beverly Hills and Laguna Beach and, uh, you know, other places. And uh, the overhead is, when you look at the numbers, it's expensive, you know. And, and, you know, art galleries, most of them don't make it because, you know, the amount... Let's say you invest a hundred grand, plus you're paying your, you know, to get into the location and all that other thing. Um, you better have some serious traffic in there fast, you know, to get things moving. But and that worked on places like Rodeo Drive and, you know, Coast Highway and Laguna Beach, you know. But other galleries in in the surrounding areas, you know, they really struggled, you know. So, uh, so and it's a, it, a friend of mine was told by a gallery on Rodeo Drive that they could sell things that fit on a shelf and they could sell things. That went out in the yard and yeah. everything in between was worthless to them. <laughs> yeah. How funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and one final comment is uh, um, I, as an art consultant, years and years ago, an artist wanted to have an exhibit in North Hollywood and she created uh, cement angels. Some of them were like, uh, some of these things were like, you know, life size and they had huge wings on them. So you can imagine the weight involved. And so, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so to do an exhibit, they had to use a crane, you know, they had to like, they had to have all these people involved and it was just a huge project and, and uh, we did this exhibit. So when I saw your work, it reminded me of all the effort that goes into moving these things around and, you know, uh, and, and the manpower and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I just think it's really impressive what you're doing. Well, we are we are at a, over eighteen minutes, so we're going to cut it off. But uh, I have really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, I, same here. It's yeah. been wonderful hearing about your art, and it's just absolutely beautiful, and very pleasing and calming to to view. Yeah, I highly recommend. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend anyone go check it out again. S o m e r s r a n d o l p h dot com. And uh, my name is Dan. My co-host here is Aaron. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> and uh, this is Art Talk. And uh, we have been talking to Summers Randolph. And um, I really appreciate it, Summers. And I guess uh, maybe we'll check back in with you in the future and, and, you know, get an update, see how things are going. I look forward to it. Thanks very much, Dan. Aaron, nice to talk to you. Nice meeting Absolutely. you as well.
right. see you on the art campus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. We'll okay. talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was uh, Summers Randolph and... Um, Fascinating, huh? Yeah, you think so? yeah, absolutely. I thought that yeah. was interesting. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, I'm going to cut it off now because we're at 20 minutes. And uh, please, again, support this podcast if you can. Uh, tell your friends about it. Anybody who loves art, I think, would appreciate some of the things we're doing. And we are going to continue to expand, look for interviews with actors, stand-up comedians, and other people. Anyone involved in anything creative. Alrighty, so... Stay free, everybody. There you go. Until next time, (laughs) we'll see you later.